You're listening to Sunnyside Up, a B2B podcast that brings together real-world insights to help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we bring you the best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sunny Side Off. I'm your host, Shubhank, and today I'm super excited to talk to David Shabu on the real art of sales development. David, your tech journey started as a 12-year-old loving to code, and before you could fully finish your studies at the age of 19, you had jumped in and did three software engineering roles across various tech companies and Microsoft. Then you realized that you had a lot more to explore than just engineering, so you kept changing roles and learned something new every three years. You lived in four countries. You did three tech startups as a co-founder or VP. You did UX, project management, product marketing, business development roles at companies like Microsoft. And now you are at Palo Alto Networks and you are the director of sales enablement. David, I'm super excited to talk to you and most welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. I love your shows. Thank you. Thanks a lot, David. Thanks a lot. And looking at what you've done and based on the discussions that I've had passed with you, it's pretty interesting, honestly, because before 19, you've actually done a lot more than any most of the people would actually do so. David, how about like if you could give me a quick introduction about yourself and or I'd say more details about your accomplishments. That'll be actually great. So Yeah, of course, of course. Well, the only thing that drove my accomplishments, you can call it this way, is curiosity. <laughs> I thought that engineering is everything when you can create things with your hands, grabbing a keyboard. And then uh, it took me a few years to realize that I'm not the most talented engineer. There are always people out there. I looked into in their code mm-hmm. and some people that I worked with, their if statements, if any of you have been writing code, you know, if statement is when you make a condition in a code block, mm-hmm. were always like so short and elegant. And my if statements are always long. And so I, I realized that I'm never going to be the best engineer. I'll be a good engineer, but I'll never be the best. So at that age, I realized that I need to go on a journey and I keep looking and looking and looking until I find something that really excites me and I'm the best at. And that's, that's how I found what I'm doing right now. I've been doing a bunch of things. I, I, I realized that I want to explore the sales side of things, the project side of things. I want to go into consulting. I was uh, running a small practice in Microsoft Consulting Services. And then I was like, okay, how about all the art side of things? Because my, my family is full of artists. So I was doing user experience. And then, and then I, I did product management, product marketing, because I love to speak. I love to write. There's marketing. So I kept trying myself in various roles. And that's how I landed where I am. And I feel like I have a really good 360 view. Uh, I sort of can have a word about anything in tech. <laughs> that's amazing because, I mean, like listening to what you've done and based on your family exposures that you've had in the past, I think that that has influenced you to kind of all this unique activities throughout your career. And so my next question David is going to be like, what made you choose this career path? Because you are an engineer, but now we are in the sales development. How did that transition happen and what made you get into this? So I always like building a product is one thing. When you are a super engineer, you can build anything. And then you build the product and it's on the shelf. (laughs) What is going to happen with it? Somebody needs to market it. 
somebody needs to sell it. Correct. So I, I always, somebody needs to support it. Like I, I've been in product support at Microsoft, which I loved. So I, I went and did each of those roles because, because I thought that one day I want to be able to do this all. And I want to see what's happening with that product before, you know, it starts to be created in somebody's brain in under a shower, probably. And then it goes in under a bunch of people's hands when they're building the application. Correct. And then somebody needs to figure out how they put it to market and then they refine it. So I want it to be in each of those roles. And that's why I'm in sales, because I think I'm, I still have a lot to learn in the art of sales. Mm -hmm. And and early in my career, I always thought about the sales guys as, ah, oh, those are the, you know, the, the sales guys are the ones that are like always complain about the product capabilities missing there. They're just a necessity. But now this point in my journey, I see sales being an, a really important art. And it's not about lifting and shifting and dropping off packages and, you know, opening trunks. That's also an art. If you can sell something from your trunk, Mm -hmm. But I have a lot of appreciation for sales. And this is what I want to master. And right now in my journey in Palo Alto Networks, I'm, uh, I'm working on enabling those reps. Like how can they be their best of the best? And how can they find what is it that they really enjoy? What is it that they're really good at? And what is it that the customer needs? And they just reach their full potential of selling the product and solving problems. Awesome. I don't want to sound partial, but I think like I, I, I'm a sales guy, so I definitely understand like what, what you're saying. And thank you. Thank you for like helping out sales reps across the world as well as in different organizations that you've worked in. And because even like, as I know for a fact, sales dev has kind of changed a lot in the last couple of years. And uh, probably it's because of people like you who think differently and uh, who try to bring in the right processes in the, in the, in the place that helps us to kind of, that makes our work more simpler and kind of get the returns or I'd say the closures that is required by what we do so that's amazing david so and so according to you what is sales dev all about because you said that okay you want to do everything differently and so what according to you is sales development and as as i mentioned like sales has changed completely over the past few years what do you think are your contribution towards innovating new ideas in sales development yeah thank you for asking that i don't see myself as the somebody creating this new shift in the market that I'm, I'm yet to be an author uh, of that perspective. But I have my point of view because because um, I in Palo Alto Networks, I was in product marketing for a while and I was doing sales enablement from product marketing. And when you're in product marketing, you are associated with positioning and the marketing of things. And I saw things of one certain way, like a product is a product and you need, the reps need to be enabled and the value propositions. And, mm -hmm. and in our point of view, they need to be enabled this way. And then through a fortunate sort of spin-off, I ended up being an independent entity in, in Palo Alto Cortex. And, uh, and I had a chance to connect with the reps and, and really learn what is it that they really need on the field. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, when I got that idea, that's when I, I put it all together. And I think it's, it's two things. One is what is that reps? What is your personal journey of selling what you're selling? Like, why are you here? What is your story? How is your story connected to what you're selling to the products of your company or to the services or to the mission of your company? There has to be a personal story. And um, some of us, some of you have personal stories that are not necessarily aligned. I remember this guy in New York who, who I, I loved. He was a seasoned rep in his 60s. And he says that, David, this is what I've been doing all my life. And he says, it's a tough job, but I sell anything and everything. And I say, how do you do that? 
And this, you know, guy with a you know, tough New Yorker, he says, well, I imagine my commission. Every time I lift up the phone, I imagine my commission. Mm-hmm. I have an average of how many calls it takes to get one opportunity and to dig it. In this case, it takes about 100 calls and my commission is $10,000. So I just divide the 10,000 by 100. And every time I lift up the phone, when the customer connects, when the phone company connects, I imagine a $100 note falling into a hat. And that's how I enjoy that call. <laughs> so, so you may have that mission, but I think many of you have a really well-connected personal mission to why you are selling what you're selling. And one, one part of my sort of the dent that I'm doing in Palo Alto Networks, and, and I think it's something that every company needs, is to help reps paint those examples of their colleagues of why they're here and then make them realize why they're here. And that does two things. One, it, it makes them realize that there's a connection uh, to the product because many, many of us are unaware. Why are we doing this? But for some reason, the universe made us find that role at that company. There, there is a reason. So one is it makes them more connected and engaged and excited to do what they're doing because there is a personal connection. And second, they walk the talk. They will come across credible and excited to their customers. So they will have a higher chances of closing that deal. So that's, that's one thing. I will highlight as a different, something different than maybe other sales enablement directors are doing. And the other one is really use creative and really entertaining and engaging ways of teaching people. For example, in June, we shot a, a documentary about Palo Alto Networks Cortex. It's an internal documentary. It's an hour and a half movie, like a professional movie with cutscenes and, and the actors are all sales reps and some of our leadership team mm-hmm. of really discovering these personal journeys, inspiring people, and then learning what they are doing and how they are doing it, finding the best pitch on the market, finding how customers react to certain things, showing their practices of what slides do you use, how do you do that, and then listening to their stories, and then using that medium to teach the rest of the field and get those stories in their own pockets and share it with their customers. That's one big change that I'm, I'm doing compared to, to this profession or to the rest of the field, I think. That is great. I think there were a lot of takeaways from what you just mentioned, David. I mean, honestly, it's about the personal connection that a sales guy needs to have while he's trying to kind of sell a solution or a product. And I think that is, that is very important. I mean, being a sales guy, I got to connect or I, I got to kind of have a connection towards the product I'm selling and have a thought that, okay, this is why I'm trying to sell this to you. And if that is not aligned, I'm pretty sure it's it's never going to happen. It's just going to be normal work, which you might not succeed in initially or somehow some other way. But yeah, that's that's one of the best takeaways from what you just mentioned. And you just mentioned that you kind of have a role plays and a lot of activities around this. Your team learn all the pitches and stuff. So could you, could you please elaborate on that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I think one part of sales enablement or sales effectiveness, as my president likes to call it, because he says that these people need to be the most effective possible. So one one side of it is, I think, inspiration and finding your stories and then learning playfully or in an engaging way, like how you would learn something from a Netflix documentary, because that's how people learn today. I want to learn about the ancient Egypt and you fire up Netflix and there is an ancient Egypt series. I think that we need to bring that to sales and that's what, what I'm doing and we are doing. The other thing is practical. I think there's a, if you look at any company, 
there is a lot of practical experience mm-hmm. that are not shared. And so what I'm doing with my team in Palo Alto Networks is, is find those pockets of people who have a lot of practical experiences of dealing with certain situations, let's say the selling endpoint detection uh, like our XDR technology to customers, and then creating these practical role plays to say, okay, you play the role of a chief security officer, seasoned rep, and then give these newer reps or the reps who are not as seasoned as you a chance to try themselves before they meet their customer. And that's, we are doing it pretty regularly we call it an academy. We call it an immersive workshop session. And this is a program that we run a couple of times a week, so a couple of times a year. And we are training, like there are occasions when we trained a thousand reps in my company this way. We got about 30 volunteers who would be willing to run these role play sessions with up to seven people. And there's a script and we create this imaginary customer situation and then a rep needs to come prepared. And then is doing a 10-minute conversation with the CSO, with this seasoned rep who is playing the CSO, is getting a lot of hard balls back, a lot of coaching, learning, crashing, burning. And then the the reps are learning, like there is a bunch of reps learning and seeing how wow. their colleagues are falling apart and how it gets better and better every 10 minutes. And at one point, by the end of the hour, they all collectively become better because they have learned from each other. I believe, like there's this is a lot of details, but I believe before a rep can really go in front of a customer, you need to give them a lot of opportunity to try, not just read books and playbooks and, and read product collateral, but to get coaching from the colleagues and crash and burn and, and sort of be confused. And then next day, wake up and do it better and better. And then the time they met the customers, the first customer or a customer for a new pitch, they, are, they feel they're fully prepared. I think there is no other way. This is 100%, I think, to all those budding leaders or that's upcoming leaders in sales dev. Guys, please make a note. This is something which I think is definitely going to make a huge benefit or I'd say impact into your sales teams because I've seen I've seen a lot of sales trainings and I've been through a lot of different activities in terms of this part. Yeah, this is one of its unique, unique, I'd say one of its kind. And probably that's where I think you are able to kind of get a good amount of success with all the trainings and the modules that you're planning and this is really impressive David I, I mean I, I really kind of appreciate you kind of thinking out of the box and bringing all these into the picture and David you are actually I remember that you've actually worked at various locations throughout the globe and this is one thing that I was, I was always worried about or I'd say keen about uh, to learn from you that do you think the sales training in different locations are differently planned as per the sales dev teams or what are the challenges do you think Sales dev has to kind of face with different geographies. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to cover that. So one of my greatest mentors of my career, Sean Murray and Microsoft, Sean, big big hug for you and thank you for, for everything you did for me. He was an excellent sales. He is still probably or even better. Mm-hmm. But I remember he, he was working, I think it was the VP title at Microsoft. And, and he told me that, David, in order for somebody to be on that level at Microsoft, you need to be working in three theaters or three different geographies and manage teams and sell to customers until you can tell that you are seasoned and you can be running a global team as a VP. And I remember he, he lived in, um, in East Coast US and West Coast US, and that's why he moved to, to London for a year or so to run a 
a team in England and, and like a European team. And I think he had plans to go to, to Asia because it's so vastly different. And so I, I realized that early on at Palo Alto Networks in this role. And we already had a, like a good network of people that we could rely on, like our helpers of doing enablement. And these folks, I, I named them as Cortex ambassadors at that point. And I started growing and growing that group. And now today we have over 70 of these folks globally. And these are the most seasoned reps, product marketers, field marketers, SEs, assays, like all sorts of different roles, our helpers, our eyes and ears on the field. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Me, even if I'm the, you know, if I would be the best sales guy in West Coast US, mm-hmm. I would never be able to sell a product to a chief security officer in Japan. Not because of the language barrier, but because of there's, I just don't know the drill. And then try to replicate that in Romania to a company, mm-hmm. like, like would never, never be able to. And that's why we have our eyes and ears on the ground. That's our ambassador network. These folks are taking our enablement initiatives and they are, they are partnering with us. They are, they are attending, they are co-hosting our webinars. They are reviewing, peer reviewing our, our enablement materials. And they're telling us, no, in this culture, that's not how you say it. In this culture, that role doesn't exist or this competitor is stronger. So it's, it's definitely a challenge. You cannot do it alone. That's interesting. The point you mentioned, like you might be the best salesperson in the US, but when you're trying to sell it to either in somebody in Japan or in Romania, it's it's a totally different challenge because yeah, I, I also cover different geographies. So I think I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. And definitely sales dev plays a major role in that. And lastly, David, so what are your thoughts on the emerging leaders? I mean, to the emerging leaders in the sales and sales development? And because you are a leader in this and just this function, I didn't know. You have seen how, how it's transitioned over a period of time. And what, according to you, is a pivotal element for them to learn to be a good or a great leader in sales or sales development. Yeah, I would say that, well, I haven't cracked it because there are challenges every day. You know, that's that's how it works. When you're in work in progress, you're growing constantly. I need to zoom out a little bit to, to see it from a distance. Right. But I would say the difference is how, if you remember back maybe 20 years ago when we had software, the whole profession of user experience didn't exist engineers were mm-hmm. building software and the software looked like Correct. it was an engineer built software it was very functional all the features were listed as buttons <laughs> and you know sometimes right. you had too many buttons to you know fill your screen and then one day somebody came up with this idea to why don't we think about the user why don't we look at the interaction of the user with that screen or with that keyboard and how the how the user and the computer interacts and and then the whole profession of user experience was born and i think it's the same for sales enablement or sales effectiveness it's really going down to the field and asking your customers which are the reps and the SEs, asking your customers what is it that you need i'm here to serve you i'm here to do anything you sit on district calls and listen to struggles with the pipeline and struggles in, a, in that certain geography and then figure out how do I enable you in the best possible way for this. So, so think small. If you see where the world is going, when, you know, I like small batch chocolate, like everything is small batch, everything is handmade, mm-hmm. at least, at least in the US. Right. Like you go to a little store and if they 
hand make the chocolate you know you can tell that that chocolate and that particular customer you know has a has a very special focus and um, you either can can afford it or not but i believe that the leaders for the future for enablement is always on demand going down to the weeds what is that one rep struggling there maybe we can learn from it maybe we can spread that knowledge across the field what is be the eyes and the ears on the ground for the product marketing team for the product team for the support team and the customer experience team it's really representing the reps is what matters there instead of representing product and push it out to to the reps what the product believes that they need to know that is so true i think yeah being uh, the leader needs to be aligned with what is going to kind of give him the right success or the results and that is something which is very important yeah. thanks for that david and uh, come to the end of the show there are like the usual questions that i ask our guests so is there any book blog or a website or some sort of a resource or something that you recommend our listeners to kind of view Oh yes, I love reading and three children. So it's uh, <laughs> the most I read is usually children's books, but when they're sleeping, sometimes I get to pull out my own book and and read a few pages. So I have three favorite books of all times. One is in a motivation category. I would recommend Born to Run. Mm-hmm. It's a book that is so motivational. That's when I that made me start running and and I ran my marathon. when i turned 40 my first marathon you know thanks thanks to that book definitely read born to run the book starts and i think it's also good for sales that when you wake up on the savanna uh, when the sun rises on the savanna it doesn't matter if you're an antelope or a lion you got to run for your life <laughs> and i love that i don't know if i got the quote right but that's and that's that's for sales too like you're going to run for your life you're going to keep going 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 every day so i love that book the other book it's a really good science book and bill gates recommended that book and i took it and i read it i keep reading it all the time again and again it's called the vital question it's a book that is exploring our how we end up ended up being on this planet and how did this planet form and what are the gaps in evolutionary history that don't make sense well and this this the writer is trying to to prove that like there are things that don't make sense and nobody's asking those questions and i and i have a theory but i don't know it's so good i love that book if you if you can just read five pages random pages that's the way i i read sometimes it's so good and the third book on the romantic side of things i love romantic novels and novels in general is water for chocolate it's uh it's such an entertaining little novel a little book that i i just love the stories it's like full of fantasies and and things so these are my three favorite books awesome this gives the audiences i mean like they they not only get the motivation or the kind of skills that they require but also like learn about okay how to lead a, a normal life or let's say enjoyable life those are the differences i think you definitely given out and last question david like how can people get connected to you after the recording if they wish to oh find me on linkedin i'm david s z a b o uh-huh I have a picture, smiling face, find me, connect, <laughs> I respond to everybody. Also you can use my personal Gmail. It's d s z a b o s f at @gmail.com. You can always reach out to me. I'm always happy to connect with people. I'm always open to any ideas and and thoughts. Yeah, happy to connect whatever question you have, whatever ideas you want to share. If you're doing sales effectiveness somewhere else, you want to compare notes, always happy to or if you just want to chat, I'm I'm there. 
Awesome. Unfortunately, we are coming to the end of the show. So, David, I'd like to thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed having you on the show today. And any ending thoughts? I just have one ending thought. Earlier, you asked me who are the people that I look up to or, you know, who, who are the people who uh-huh. I look up. Like, there are so many people that I look up to, but there are three names that come to my mind. And interestingly, they are not necessarily sales-related, although they could be. I think they're all sales in sales, but really, really good managers or maybe four really good managers. I think it's so important, no matter what you do, mm-hmm. is that you, you're working for a leader that you can learn from. You're working for a leader that cares for you cool. and is speaking to you like to his own child. Uh-huh. sort of with the interest of growing you and raising you. I had so many really good managers. I had less I had times when I was less lucky. So one person is Mark McCrory in Ireland. He's one of my first bosses at Microsoft. I, I also had a really, really good first manager, Bela Pogacnik, in, who hired me to my first engineering role. It was a really weird story. And then I had Darren Dillon. I want to give out to Darren in Ireland. Really, really good boss. And then I have Sean Mary at Microsoft who took me to places and took a risk on me. You know, those are the kind of managers you want to work. And then Brian DeLemo is my last manager. I loved working for Brian. And, and all these people are just on a journey with you and they're taking you to places and they're growing together. And this is what I love in, in sales. And this is what I love in working at large corporations that you just, you just grow each other and you go together and you go to places and, and the journey is so fulfilling and, and enjoyable. Awesome, David. I think I look forward to be in touch with you on LinkedIn and uh, have a nice day, David. Looking forward to connect with you on LinkedIn later. Awesome. Take care. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV.